Welcome to Blind Like Me, the podcast. We share inspirational stories from the visually impaired community and explore accessible technology and services. Blind Like Me is a community of shared experiences, motivating each other to break down barriers. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been in the broadcast industry for over 30 years in Canada and was the first legally blind student in British Columbia to attend public school. Tim has never let his disability stand in the way of his goals. Well, hi there, and welcome to another edition of Blind Like Me, our first one for 2022. It is me, Tim Black. And yes, we have uh, been off for a while. We took a little bit of a hiatus for the holiday season. And then the month of January just kind of flew by. And uh, so far, the month of February is flying by. But we have got new episodes of Blind Like Me coming out uh, over the next several weeks. And uh, we thank you very much for your loyalty and following Blind Like Me and asking where we were. Uh, We're back. And uh, this week, a great episode. Had a chance to chat with this gentleman early in the summer of 2021, uh, and we had had gotten ready to do the interview and we'd recorded it. And then I kind of thought I wanted to wait until his book came out uh, before we actually got him on the podcast because, you know, it's, it's better to have the person here when their book is out and then they can talk about it. Welby Broadus is his name, and he's got a brand new book out, Leading Blind Without Vision, a guide to hiring the blind and visually impaired. This book is meant for the HR people in the world. Those who are in charge of hiring managers, okay? This book is going to give you multiple reasons why hiring the blind and visually impaired is a good thing for your company. We already know that there are extraordinary numbers of, of blind and visually impaired people who are unemployed right now. The, the, we've talked about this before, and we're not going to get into details about this. Welby decided that we needed a book. We needed a guide for the hiring people in the world to understand why it's a good idea to take the chance and hire those with a blind or visually impaired disability. Let's use the word. That's what it is. I want you to go and get his book. It's available for you now wherever you get books digitally. And make sure you share this episode with somebody who's in charge of hiring for your corporation. Welby Broadus joins us from Ohio on Blind Like Me. Welby, right. welcome to the podcast, my friend. We got a chance to connect in, um, you know, middle of uh, 2021, and you had told me that you had a book coming out, and I think this is a really cool opportunity. Now that the book has officially come out, congratulations on that. We're going to talk about the book, um, and, and this is why we wanted to get you on the podcast uh, and to talk about it. But before we do that, let's get a little backstory about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm going to be back. I got nystagmus in my left eye with a muscle move the eye by itself. I can't control it. And I'm severely nearsighted. Mm-hmm. And, and I was born this way. And my parents couldn't afford to, for me to go to a special school for the blind or vision impaired as a kid. So I ended up just going to regular public school mm-hmm. and pretty much navigating through a traditional school without any assistance from the school administration, anything like that. Right. So I really learned, had to learn how to adapt to deal with bullying and things like that to basically survive through the school system to get where I am today. 
And where you are today is uh, is pretty amazing. Let's talk a little bit about your your career uh, okay. because you've got you've got quite a bit going on. You you've got some counseling. You've got some some business stuff. So tell me a little bit about your career, and then I'm going to ask you, and we're going to go backwards a little bit. Okay. Um, my current job now, I'm, I actually work for our Summit County Juvenile Court here in Akron, Ohio, and I am a, a misdemeanor services case manager. Mm-hmm. And what I do, I assist the youth when they come to court and their families and making decisions for them to be able to be successful and not be involved in the criminal justice system further than their life and as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this job now for 10 years as of this past December. And, and before that, I worked 14 years as a career specialist job coach for a program called Jobs for House Graduates that's in Ohio and actually is part of a national organization which called JAG, which stands for JAG, Jobs for Americans Graduates. Mm-hmm. And in that position, I assisted at-risk youth in getting learning employability skills. And then once they graduate or get their GEDs, mm-hmm. I help them either get into college, um, find employment, or enlist into the military. Mm-hmm. And Pretty much all my jobs I had since I got out of college was basically working with nonprofits and working with at-risk individuals like myself. And I always want to do that type of work because I always want to give back to society because what society has done for me to help me get where I am today. And the things that I struggled with and went through, I don't want to, I don't want anybody else to go through it, no matter what they're dealing with, mm-hmm. a disability or ec- economic issues or no education, things like that. I I think everybody can overcome their, their challenges to be successful. If they want to be to mm-hmm. be able to do that. And that was going to be my my next question: Is you have spent a lot of time working with youth uh, over the last you know several years, uh, and, and why? It, and that is why is because you were a youth that had challenges, and and you kind of want to give back. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, it, I guess. God made things happen for a reason. He put you in, to me, I think all my struggles that I went through as a kid and a young adult has geared me to work with this population and basically understand where they come through. And then I want them to get buy-in from me mm-hmm. because a lot of people get, get tell them what they should be doing, but if you didn't go through what they're going through, you won't even understand. And they pick and kids pick up on that. And I know I did as a kid as well. It's good to somebody to say you do this, but you never did yourself. Whereas I experienced those type of things, might be might be might different. My path was different from theirs, but we still had those struggles. How did you get through the challenge of bullying? That was something you talked about just a second ago. Uh, going through the reg- regular public school system, I know there's a lot of people that I still talk to today uh, who are on the in the blind and visually impaired world, and you're seeing a lot online now too. Is the fact that there there's still quite a lot of bullying going on, which which in you know 2022 still blows my mind that this happens. Um, but how did how did you deal with it? I know how I dealt with it uh, personally mm-hmm. because I like you went through public school. I did not go to a special school as well, um, and and I had bullying in my life. So how did you deal with it? it you know, when when I, when I first went to school, I was when I was raised before I even attended kindergarten. My mom and my grandmother, my dad's mom, they really raised me to not even know that I had a disability. And I can, I can really say for like the first few years of my life, mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was, I was different. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize that, yeah, I knew I wore glasses, but there's other people I found that wore glasses. I never knew that 
the way I would read things, put things real close to my eyes, that wasn't like normal situation until I got to school. Mm-hmm. And once I start realizing, people start talking about me, like, why you, why you, why you be so close to the paper? Or they say things about me, make things like that. And it, it bothered me for the first three years that I really like felt down about myself and I would be insecure to do certain things around certain people. But I started coming to myself around middle school, junior high school. And what I did is I realized that the bullies who was bullying me were the same people that was getting bullied by other people. Mm-hmm. And they would bully on me to make themselves look good to put itself in a better position amongst the people who were like, who was bullying them. Mm-hmm. So I, and I grew up in the inner city, so I would start fighting these guys, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I would literally fight the guys that, that would bully me. And then it got to the point where I, I knew that I can't keep doing that. Mm-hmm. So then I started, I, I just accepted who I was. So by my senior in high school, when I, I was I was content. You can say anything about me. It didn't phase me because this is who I am and I love myself. And I said, but you're not going to stop me from doing what I want to be doing, doing what I want to do and being a person that I want to be. And I, I can't be nobody else but me. And if I didn't be myself, then I'm cheating myself. And I never want to cheat myself. I love that. That's awesome. I, uh, you and I have the very, very similar uh, train of thought in that. Um, you're never going to tell me what I can or cannot do uh, for the fact that I am who I am and that's who I am and I'm going to do it. Right. Right. That's that's right. it. Um, you moved on and obviously, uh, you know, got yourself into your career and uh, education and, and all those other things. And you got into an opportunity to write a book. Did you ever think you'd write a book? You know, Tim, I always said I want to write a book. Okay. But I was just saying I want to write a book. I never... <laughs> <laughs> I never put myself in the position to write a book. Right. I got to tell you one story. So my freshman year of college. Yeah. I was in college, but I wasn't a college student. I was there because everybody's going to college, so I'm going to college. Right. So I wasn't putting forth the effort that I did. But there's one class I did before, before the effort because I knew it was something simple that I could do was, was my English class. When English 111 in college. And so... I think it was like our second paper we had to write. And, we, and this paper, you could write about anything, entertaining, write about anything you wanted to. So I wrote about this trip that me and my friends took. We went to Virginia Beach mm. for a weekend. It was like Memorial Day weekend, something like that. We were, and, we, and I wrote about this trip. And so after we turned the papers in, like a week or so later, after class, my professor asked me to stay over. And I'm thinking like, why you want me to stay over? Like, mm-hmm. I said, I didn't plagiarize anything, you know, this is going through my mind. What, what did I do wrong? Right. So he's asked, his first question, what is, what is your major? And I said, and at the time it was computer science. Okay. I said, computer science. He said, did you ever thought about going to journalism? I like, what? I said, no, not really. And I, he said, oh, you, you should, you should think about it. You're, you're an excellent writer. And I said, and I'm saying to myself, I said, okay to him, but in my mind, I said, Man, I don't like writing these papers now. Then you talking about doing research. I said, nah, I ain't, I'm not doing that. And, and then down the road, it came to my mind, I want to write a book. And, yeah. I, and I had the, the title Leading Blind mm-hmm. Without Vision was always in my mind. That's going to be my title. And, and so 
pandemic hits. This is fast forward. Pandemic hits. Yep. Um, when it came in effect that March, my job, I think it was like March 17th, something like that. I remember the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I come into work, all the supervisors are meeting with the judge at the court. And I said, like, what's, what's going on? They're talking about sending us home. I'm like, wow. I said, this stuff is serious. Yeah. So they sent us home. And, and for the first month, we didn't, they, they have nothing for us really to do, but do like online trains and stuff like that. And so my girlfriend was like, her friend went to this course at Georgetown University called the um, Creators Institute. Mm-hmm. And she, she sent it to me and I'm looking at it. She said, oh, let's apply for it. I know you want to write your book. So I, I applied for it. Not think I'm going to get accepted. Got accepted. Met with the professor. I told him what I want to write about me being vision impaired. I'm going to talk about my story. He's all great. So he gave me some research to homework to do, some research to do, things like that. And so in, the, in this class, it's a class of about, I say, 300 people. It's online. And you, it's, you, you write it within the community. Right. And one thing about when you write in the community, it helps you stay focused on finishing what you start. Because mm-hmm. most people who call themselves writing a book, typically the majority of them who write never finish because they're writing alone. But when you write in this community, you get motivated. They encourage you. They give you people you want to interview and things like that. They help you out. And we have editors we go through. Mm-hmm. And so my first editor was a distributing editor. And she actually, she's, she, she's, just, she, she's disabled as well. Mm-hmm. And I told her I'm write this book about me being visually impaired. And so her question, one of her first questions to me was like, so you're talking about writing a memoir? I said, yeah, I'm writing a memoir. She's well. She said, and I'm not, she said, I'm not going to discourage you what you want to do, but I just got a couple of questions. And the first question she asked me was, she asked me was well, who knows you? And I'm like, what do you mean? Who knows me? Hmm. So you mean you write a memoir, people typically know people. They write a memoir, like presidents write memoirs, celebrities. Mm-hmm. She said, who would buy your memoir except for your people that you know? And I'm like, what? I, then I thought about it. I'm like, man, she right. Mm-hmm. She said, Maybe you should write about how how other people with disabilities, how we how we can get jobs. And that, and I said, I don't know if I'm gonna do that because that's already out there. There's services that teach us those skills that we are, I went through, you went through. Mm-hmm. We already know that. Mm-hmm. I said, so I said, so I'm gonna flip that. I'm gonna write a book for to educate people on the benefits of hiring the buying and vision pair community. Mm-hmm. She said, but that's going to be a lot of work. I said, I think that's what I need to do, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's the need that need to put out there because that's the, the dilemma that we have. Mm-hmm. And so, and I felt like us as blind and vision impaired, I mean, you, we went through all the programs. I'm sure you went through programs. Mm-hmm. The, basically, these programs on how to survive are the same skills that business look for employees mm-hmm. that we, we use to survive in a world that's not set up for us. Mm-hmm. So, we have the skills that employers want. It's just the fact that employers are uneducated about what we're capable of doing. And that's why I wrote the book. And that's and that's why I'm here today talking to you. So let's talk a little bit about the book. It shines the light on the amount of blind and visually impaired of people who are unemployed. But take me back to the beginning of this book, because it, it really does start early in the 1960s. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, because it start go backwards with the book before we got to where we are today. 
I'm going to be back before the 60s. So the Industrial Revolution start came around in this country. Right. Yeah. Everybody know how that went about. You know, the immigrants is coming over. They're getting these jobs and these, these factories pretty much like sweatshops. And basically, this is how the country's founded on. Mm-hmm. So and at this time. You had people from all over the world coming here. So people with disabilities, but this basically shut out. Mm-hmm. And that's include everybody, blind, vision, parent, anybody with disability. You they weren't getting the jobs. And the jobs that they were getting was jobs basically like circus or sideshow. The, yep. the, um, basically put themselves down as entertainment for other people be, who, who, who's not disabled to have make fun of, mm-hmm. crack jokes of. Mm-hmm. And then if we had a job, a lot of times we couldn't do a job by ourselves. So we had to have somebody who was, who was sighted mm-hmm. to be there with us to, do, to, to perform the work. Mm-hmm. So and that leads up to like the like the sixties, and people wanted to say, "Hey, I'm a I'm I'm a person just like everybody else. I want to have rights just like everybody else." Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't even realize, is people like us during those times. They could look. Let's say you want to go to a store. Mm-hmm. You know, the store didn't have to let you in because you were blind and vision impaired, or even have accessibility for you to get into the building. Mm-hmm. I didn't, it wasn't have, and, and I want to stop you there because I did when I read that in the book the fact that they didn't have to let people that let you in that blew my mind. I, I just like <laughs> I was dumbfounded. I'd never heard of that before. I did, I didn't either until I did, did my research. Yeah, I, I did not either, and that shot, that blew my mind. I just yeah. I was like, this is a whole different type of discrimination. I mean, I have never even thought of that didn't even cross my mind that because mm-hmm. I'm disabled, well, I'm not let you in my store for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and, I mean, but I mean, to to skip forward, mm-hmm. we still are, especially in the US, um, I'm not sure how much in Canada, but I know I hear about it in the US uh quite a bit, is the fact there are still businesses who struggle with allowing people with a visual impairment who are totally blind with a with a guide dog and they're still discriminating against that in in today's world we're not we're we're still not wide open to be able to allow people into businesses who are who are walking with a dog yeah it's so i don't understand it especially nowadays with the american disabilities act i mean mm-hmm. and i think one thing about it, as a blind and visually impaired person i don't know if you experienced this but this is something i experienced when I go to jobs, and it's, I guess it's no fault to, to the job, but I guess it could be. But if I get hired in a position, and and typically as a blind individual person, if we get a job, we're gonna we're we're gonna be loyal to a fault mm-hmm. because if we don't like the job, or if we get fired from the job, we don't know how long it's gonna take for our next job to come along. Whereas mm-hmm. some a, a, not a person that with sight, yep. they can just go quit today and probably find another job in a couple of weeks. Yep. Where It'll take us forever. So we're loyal to a fault. And I think one thing happens, I know it happens for me, when I do get a job, mm-hmm. I don't ask for a lot Mm-mm. because I don't want to come across as a burden, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, we shouldn't have hired this guy. Mm-hmm. And then it, then they say when I leave that company, the next blind or vision impaired person will get a shot because of how I was perceived when I was there. So a lot of times I wouldn't, and before I would not even ask for 
some accommodation. I might ask for specific stuff mm-hmm. that I know that I really need to get by doing this work. But something that might something extra might I might could use to benefit me. I would not ask for because of that. Yeah, I and I, I, know I, it, I totally agree with you. I mean, I the the last job that I had, uh, and it's interesting you use the fact that uh, that blind and visually impaired people are are loyal to a fault um, because we are. Um, you know, companies that I've worked for, I've been with for 10 and 12 and, you know, 15 years. And I think really one of the only accommodations that I ever asked, and that was when I actually moved here, um, mm-hmm. when I took a job here in 2006, the only thing that I asked for was a flat screen monitor. <laughs> right, right, uh, and, right. and it wasn't, it was just the fact that I had gotten, a, um, we had upgraded the computers in the company that I was working at before we had all got flat screens and I went, Oh my God, this is awesome. Like, you know, you, you can just, <laughs> you can see it better and it was larger. And so that was the only accommodation that I ever asked for was, you know, just a bigger monitor. Um, right. and, uh, and again, I, I like you don't ask for a lot because in my mind, um, when I'm working with somebody and, and I work with, uh, companies all across Canada now, um, some of them, you know, I, I want people not to think of me as a blind person or a visually impaired person. I want right. them to think of me as Tim. Right. 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 My, my disability is something that comes along with me, but that doesn't affect on in the way that I'm doing my job or the way that I will do what you ask me to do. I may have modifications of how it much probably like you do, but still you want to be the person who's doing the job, not the disability. Correct. I want to be individual like you are individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the blindness doesn't define me. No, not at all. Not at right. all. So so we talk about uh, in the 1960s where all of a sudden um, disability people with uh, disabilities and blind and visually impaired are all of a sudden saying, hold on just a second. Uh, we need rights too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we. So we come to the point where we see the civil rights movement going through effect here in the United States. Um, you know, it's, that's that's a big march against get benefits from that. And mm-hmm. so, a group of people, dis, group of people who are disabilities, decide, we hey, we we have rights. We're individuals just like they are. Mm-hmm. So they form a protest. And it was to the point that there were some guys, people that was actually in wheelchairs. They decided to crawl up the Capitol steps. Really? Yes, yeah, it's my research. They, and people said, "Oh, they gone too far." But the, the perp- they, they said, "No, we didn't. This is what this is the reality. We want you to see." Mm-hmm. And so, and this led to the part about us, the ADA, American Disability Act, coming to effect mm-hmm. and signed by George Herbert Walker, Walker Herbert Walker Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we are today with American Disability Act. And then, I, and I forgot the year. Then after that, then it came out with the the Tech, tech the Accessibility Act. For technology, have to have accessibility technology built in, built in it, mm-hmm. and that's where we are with it today. But yet, we're still dealing with people breaking ADA guidelines, and you have all these laws that's in effect. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think they're still breaking them? Is it the fact that it just the education is is not there? They're not educated about the laws. Yeah, I think what is employers, a lot of times, they uneducated. They, they're uneducated. They never even take the time to understand that the research that pretty much 
I can pretty much, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not an expert on this, but I can mm-hmm. pretty much say pretty much every major organization in the world is using some organizational computer platform like Office and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. All these platforms, by law, has accessibility technology built into it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, the employees might not even know what they have to use that that's accessible for a person who's blind or vision impaired. Mm-hmm. So they think they don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So it is, is like you see. I think the key is is education. Yep. And it's and it's real simple education. It's not nothing you got to go out and hire somebody to do. You just mm-hmm. I could play around with it and find out what yeah. I have <laughs> and read the manual and tell you what you got and how to use. It, yeah. You know exactly. So. I mean, you know, uh, you think about uh, you were saying Office and stuff like that, uh, how Microsoft Word has come along now. And I mean, now when you look up on, on the screen, uh, it has a microphone and it has, you know, dictation built right in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, how many of us back 10, 15 years ago were buying those pieces of software to be able to have our computers do dictation for us? And hey, now it's built right in, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Zoom tech. Zoom Tech was my best friend in college. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zoom Tech. So, so you progressed uh, throughout the book, and and really, your book is really to go to those companies and those HR people and say, "Listen, here's somebody with a blind visual disability. You can still hire them." Correct. Correct. Yeah. What's the one takeaway? that you would tell from the book or from yourself these people who are going to read this book because we're going to we're going to obviously share the link and where you can get it and all that other stuff what's your one takeaway that you want to share with these people I, the one takeaway i want to share is that especially now what's going on in, in the world with this with the covid a lot of people are not even trying to work anymore mm-hmm. or are doing their own thing yep. and a lot of poor are looking for employees this is a great time to a tap in an untapped market that never has really been given a, a shot to uh-uh. even you, to see what we can do. Uh-huh. And, and what you, what you're going to get when you hire somebody like us, who's buying a vision impaired, you're getting a person that's going to be loyal, uh-huh. dedicated, uh-huh. Um, natural problem solvers. We have to navigate through a world that's not set up for us on a daily basis. So we have to problem solve everything that we do. Uh-huh. That's just a natural skill that we have. Whereas uh-huh. You hire employees, you got to teach them problem solving skills. We already have that, those, those abilities. Mm-hmm. And somebody, somebody that, that, that you're going to have less risk, less accident. I'm going to share a study with you. So Walgreens mm-hmm. opened up this facility, in, I think it's in South Carolina. And they wanted to hire people with disabilities. So they made it accessible for all types of disabilities. They were bringing these, these they were on board these, this, this population. Right. And what they found out, and they also hired people who were non-disabled as well. But what they found out that their their employees that, that had disabilities were more loyal, mm-hmm. um, they were more dedicated, more better problem solvers, and they committed less accidents than individuals who did not have a disability or who are not visually impaired. Mm. So you get you get this population, and I think, like this book, what my book's going to do, it it it's going to teach you the what these skills we have, mm-hmm. 
And then on top of that, the third section of the book is actually just geared for the HR professionals, business owners, executives, and people who major in these fields. I give you a step-by-step on how to actually partner up with your government services for the vision impaired, or a lot of times they don't even have a section just for vision impaired. They just have the the rehabilitation, vocational rehabilitation services, which deal with all disabilities. Mm -hmm. On how to work with those organizations to get the skilled employee that you need for your job, for your company, Mm -hmm. to perform the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think think the best thing they could do is, is partner up. With mm-hmm. these organizations who work with this work with us on a daily basis, daily basis, and they're gonna get the best of the best mm-hmm. for them. So basically, they even getting people there. They're already getting qualified employees that can do the job for the organization. You're getting more bang for your buck. Correct. <laughs> and the government agencies is free. It's not yeah. like you got to pay somebody. Now there's some private organizations that does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so but these you can just go to your government agency because they're looking to hire their clients. Right. And this could be different depending on where you're listening to us, uh, you know, compared to Canada, the U.S. or, yeah. or wherever. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you, you know, always check with your check with your local municipal or provincial mm-hmm. or state or whatever government and find out that. Uh, I like the I like <laughs> I like what you said about um, that you, they're hiring natural problem solvers. I mean, and, and that's 110 percent true because anybody who is blind or visually impaired solves a problem every time they get out of bed in the morning and somebody has moved something in the house or the dog has dropped a toy somewhere or whatever and you have to problem solve to get yourself from point a to point b to point c right it's so funny <laughs> it's so funny you say that us being blind vision paired for like now i live by myself now okay but like when my when my son was here or even when i grew up with my family it it was training yeah. It oh, was yeah. problem solving training every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh, I trained two of them. I trained my two children and my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was it was training for us to navigate because we don't know what things are being moved. That's you know, right. so I gotta figure this out. Like, you know, that's so. right. Yep. We're we're natural problem solvers and uh and we'll be uh, true to you for uh, forever. So so what what do we have to do, Welby next? To decrease the amount of unemployment in the U.S., Canada, North America, wherever, for the blind and visually impaired, what do we have to do? How do we do it? Education. I think people who who are in these positions to hire us Hmm. need to educate themselves. And And I'm not even talking about going back to school, per se. I'm talking about just get involved with your blind and visually impaired community and like a start. I talk about this in the book. Get involved in some of the activities, like for example, I don't know if you guys do in the Canada. We had the white, we do the white cane experience here in October, a lot mm-hmm. of places. Mm-hmm. And and that highlights blind and visually bear people in the past. And, and it also highlights what we're capable of doing. And like mm-hmm. a lot of blind centers here, like I used to be the chairman of the blind center here in Akron. Mm-hmm. And we have white cane experience day in October. It's just taking Saturday, October, October, and we have a big event. People come out mm-hmm. and what organizations do get involved, mm-hmm. partner, um, do a sponsor these type of events, and you you can get out and see what we do just on a regular basis. That you'd be shocked how this could benefit your employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that employers need to just first of all take a breath and step back and just say how can I, mm-hmm. 
hire this population? Ask yourself that question mm-hmm. versus worry about what I can't do or what you might have to do or what some lie you've been told that we can't do. Mm-hmm. Step back, breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, they can read my book and then go to these places that serve us, us, our population on a regular basis and learn from them. Mm-hmm. and partner with them. Mm-hmm. Because one thing about it, I guarantee you pretty much, and this is the world, any blind organization in the world or blind center or vocational rehabilitation center in the world has unemployed, blind and visually employees that are capable to perform any job that they, they, they can see themselves doing. Because mm-hmm. there's no limitations I mean, only limitations I can see. I don't drive. Mm-hmm. So you're never so going to be you're never going to be a skip driver, then, eh? Yeah, you're not yeah. going to see me driving nothing <laughs> around. But pretty much jobs where it's computer related work and things yeah. like that, mm-hmm. customer service, uh, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. so even even assembly work, so we can do. I mean, so get see, but see how you can onboard us and into, into your workforce. Mm-hmm. And, and the key is just education and, and put the fears away. Where do people find, first of all, name your book again. It's, it's called Leading Blind Without Vision, The Benefits of Hiring the Blind and Vision Impaired. And where do you find it? Where can people get it? It's on, you can get it on Amazon. Um, actually, I saw it on Barnes, it's at Barnes and Nobles. Anywhere books are sold online. Mm-hmm. You can go. To, you can go to my website. There's a link on my website. Give me your website, which is broadestbizsold.com. So that's b r o a d d u s b i z s o l dot com. I got to tell you, it is a great book. I know uh, we're reading it right now, both my wife and I. Uh, and, uh, I encourage everybody to pick it up. And, uh, if you want, you can also get it. Uh, we got it through the, uh, Apple, uh, bookstore as well. That's how I'm reading it. Uh, oh, good. so if you are somebody who is blind or visually impaired and you use an Apple device, uh, you can actually have Siri read it to you, which is, uh, which is really, really cool. So, uh, I would encourage you to, uh, go and get this. And if you have somebody in your company or you have, you know, friends who are in the HR world, um, get them to read this. Uh, we're going to share, obviously, your link to your website on our website at blindlikeme.net. And we will also so- show it on or share it on our other social media uh, sites as well. So, uh, Welby, congratulations for, for putting the book out. I think it is uh, something that is definitely uh, a need. Are you happy with it? Um, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Um, it still hasn't hit me yet, but <laughs> I, I it's getting there. Well, I noticed your um, LinkedIn now says author, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, Welby, congratulations, my friend. Thanks very much for spending some time with us on Blind Like Me. I wish you all the best, and uh, maybe one day down the road we'll be able to meet in person together. Oh, Tim, I hope so, and I really appreciate the time. And and you got a great show. If you need anything from me, I'm here for you guys as well. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a story idea or you'd like to share information about new assistive technology, visit us at blindlikeme.net or send an email to info at timblackonair.com. Blind Like Me is a timblackonair.com production.